3: And earth school is hard. In fact, you taught me that. Let's crush earth school together. Welcome to Insider's Guide to the Other Side, a production of iHeartRadio. Well, hello, my witchy-poo. How are you this fine day? I'm doing great, my elf. How are you? Uh, well, I'm wearing stretchy pants.
4: <laughs> it is the season.
3: <laughs> it's, it's all I got. I, I have stretchy pants. Um, but I did shower, so that's, that, that's a pandemic first, is showering before something. No, I'm kidding. I, I've showered in the last three weeks-ish. Um, I do count a swim a shower. You're that, swimming? Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but that, that constitutes as a shower. Uh, so our important discussion aside, um, I am beyond thrilled um, to have our guest today who is um, New York Times best-selling author Allison Noel.
5: Hi Allison. Hey guys. Yay! So, so excited so, to be
4: here. So excited to have you.
3: <laughs> oh, we are beyond thrilled. And I know one of the questions that Brenda asked me when we were talking about having you on as actually it's our second guest, but to us you are our first Noel. So that's why we're calling that this episode. But she, she said, how did you guys meet? And I'm like, you know what? Ask Allison. So, that, so there's your first question is how, do, how did we find each other?
5: I found you. I found you on Mysterious Universe, which is a pod, another paranormal podcast I listen to. And you were a guest. And it was such a great, interesting interview. I immediately ran out and got the book and just buzzed through that, loved every minute of it. The voice is super authentic. It's a story about, yes, ghost photography as in the title, but it's a much deeper story than that. It's about a woman's spiritual journey. It's about a woman finding her way through grief. It's about a woman sort of reinventing herself and really learning to stand in who she is, despite all of her amazing previous you know, accomplishments. And I was just so engrossed in it. And I thought, I have to reach out to this woman. And one thing I didn't tell you is that is not something I normally do. I I usually just sort of finish a book I like and set it aside. But I felt really compelled to say, hey, I read this and I loved it. And you were super gracious and responded. And it just kind of went from there.
4: I hear this from a lot of our audience. Like, I want to talk to Julie. I want to have a beer with Julie. Like, this is what people (laughs) say, because the voice is so authentic. And so warm and approachable. and Yeah, I love that. What's
3: funny is that when Alice and I talked that uh, I told her the story of when I got the book deal and when they had said to me, when Zena said to me, you know, would like to pick up your book. And my response was, why? (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, I'm speaking to somebody who's like a real author, right? Like Allison, who's a real author. She does it for a living, (laughs) She's, like, published 24 books. So there's the Immortal series, the Soul Seeker series. They're incredible. And they're, like, and one of my favorite things that I love about, about how your your books are classified is they're classified under paranormal romance.
5: Yes.
2: Like,
5: <laughs> I know. Fantastic. I did not know that. Yeah. It's a, theme. It's it's a thing. It is. It's a oh thing. Well, <laughs> I mean, oh Twilight. Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's definitely paranormal romance. For sure. Telling you the story of how this whole thing happened, I felt very sheepish because I don't consider myself a real author. I'm like a one who poses as one every once in a while. And I'm very uncomfortable in that whole kind of lit world because I grew up in Oklahoma and I have a public education in that shitty state where (laughs) we're ranked like probably 48 or something, you know, or actually we're probably ranked 51.
4: Welcome to our Oklahoma listeners. Yes, <laughs> they know. They know. They totally know. Um,
3: here we go. Right, we're already starting. So the the, the free for all has begun. But I'm going to get us back on a little bit of what we wanted to talk about today, because I think what's so fascinating, Allison, is that you have used a lot of your own experience to craft your characters and your storylines. And so we're going to dive into that, but in my typical dipshit fashion, I have questions. I have, like, my speed round. <laughs> and I refuse to share them with you in advance because I want I them to be really authentic.
4: <laughs> oh, Remember, you, you cannot get them wrong. You
3: cannot okay. get them wrong. Okay. I was, I was, there's no wrong answer. <laughs> well, there is. This first one, there might be, so it depends on what you say.
5: <laughs> this is like a verbal Morshock test.
3: <laughs> <laughs> you will be judged.
5: <laughs> <For sure. laughs>
3: Okay, question number 1. Who is your favorite Muppet?
5: Miss Piggy, she's a Muppet, right?
3: Oh. Oh, wait, you had it right till those last I
5: know. That I know, last word. I know. It's been a while, but I remember back in the day when I was more into the Muppets, I related mostly to Miss Piggy.
3: That does say a lot. So we actually are right. clearly recording this and we will be submitting it to a psychological panel. <laughs> And we are going to see what they have to say about your answer. (laughs) Okay. So I, I, listen, Miss Pig is a great answer. Brenda, I have to ask you, who's your favorite Muppet? I will pass to our uh, our illustrious guests. (laughs) Everybody has to know that my head is in my hands right now. Uh, Okay. Mine's Kermit. Kermit. Cause he sings with his banjo. Why are there so many songs about rainbows? Nobody, nobody remembers that. Mm.
4: I know that song.
3: But he sings that with his little banjo. I
4: okay. saw it. Yeah, because the, then you see his feet, and it's just kind of like, uh. Yes. <laughs> you know? yes.
3: He has wide feet like I do, so there you have it. I have slipper feet as well. Um, okay, question number two. Brenda's like, why am I here? <laughs> question number two. This is a big one, okay. and this will also say a lot. Get ready. Okay. She's leaning in. She's lean leaning in. in, people. Lean in, Allison, lean in. Designing women. golden girls
5: there's no or it's designing women and golden girls
3: oh i see the game good answer
5: my mom and i used to watch those shows together and so same it's both
4: (laughs) i can't and i have never seen an episode of either
5: (laughs) and you're You're fired and you're fired
4: my mom and i have never watched a television show <laughs> together
3: golden girls is on oh shit i can't remember the network but it is it's on all the time so you can catch up it's worth <laughs> it this is a, the very lightning round so because it's a, is a pandemic i don't think we have to keep our episode short so we're just going to drag this shit out but <laughs> here's the beauty about designing women Is Linda Bloodworth-Thomason is the creator of that show, and it was back in the 80s. And it was the first um, television show to address AIDS, the AIDS crisis, because we all know our government wasn't talking about it. And Linda had actually gone into the hospital. I believe her mother had contracted it from a blood transfusion. She saw the pain. And she's like, oh, I'm building this in. And so she built it into the show, and that was the first time we ever heard as a nation the story really behind the, the AIDS epidemic. So uh, the more you know, ding, ding, ding. Yeah. But I love both of them, too. I mean, so I think that's a good answer. Okay, what's the best movie of all time?
4: <laughs> okay, my alpha, we're going to go through these questions next time beforehand. <laughs> No, to you, what is your favorite movie? Um,
5: a movie that, I'll, I, I won't say it's my favorite because I'm not really good at narrowing things down to like absolute favorites, but a movie that when it comes on, I will stop to watch again, or at least a part of it is Gladiator.
3: Gladiator. Don't you remember when Elizabeth Taylor did that at the, I had <laughs> no words. Oh my God. I am, have, I. <laughs> We're going to have a culture class
5: after
4: this session.
5: <laughs> I think it is such a beautiful, amazing, highly spiritual story. It really needs to be really watched.
4: You're talking about the Russell Crowe movie? Yeah,
5: I am. It's it's a really spiritual. I find it to be a really spiritual movie, and I find it very, very moving. And I really <laughs> like it. Yeah.
3: I'm going to rewatch that.
5: You rewatch it with I a am. different lens and like less about, oh, the violence and just more about the actual journey that he's on. And it's pretty powerful stuff.
3: I'm definitely going to rewatch that. And it's interesting because Brenda told me months ago that in my mediumship that the other side was going to show me different uh, characters, people um, that are in movies. And Russell Crowe shows up as St. Michael, just so you know. Wow. He yep. That's when I see Saint Michael, they show me
4: Russell Crowe in Gladiator.
5: <laughs> oh, you have to rewatch mm-hmm. it then. It, yep. that's I the don't problem. think I've
4: seen that movie, but I think you know he carries the sword, right? And Archangel Michael carries a sword, mm. giant, a big sword. Yeah, I find that. To be a really fascinating answer given
3: this interesting connection. Okay, so what's your favorite donut flavor? Everyone has one, don't lie about it.
5: I eat a donut like once every five years, but when I do, but when that that time comes around, I always go for a glazed old fashioned. Oh, which is a
3: classic. 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 No, it's not boring at all. It's a
5: classic it never disappoints
3: What is your next five year marker for a donut <laughs> because i would like to be the one that takes you out i will take you out for a donut
5: i'm gonna save it for when we meet up and then okay good up. i will and take you out for day. a donut
3: <laughs> what is the most important quality you look for in a friend
5: a sense of humor about everything. <laughs>
3: that is an awesome answer. <laughs> oh my that God. That is such a good answer. That is I, I good like answer. that one a lot.
5: It comes in handy.
3: <laughs> so, do you think the world needs a book series set during a pandemic? And if your answer is yes, then my answer is I want you to write it. But go ahead. What is your answer?
5: You know, I'm not sure. I was reading something today about the state of publishing and everyone's like, if you're somebody was saying, if you're thinking about writing a book about a pandemic, cause you're living through that, like no, one's going to want to read that. And I'm thinking as a, as a creator, how can you not address a time that's profoundly changing us and we won't be the same people, hopefully coming out of it, that we were going into it. Hopefully we'll have to do a little more deeper reflection. And, and that'll cause us to be in the world differently and to see the world differently. And I don't know how you ignore that, whether you actually address the pandemic or not, I think it's gonna start showing up in people's work. Anything you're creating during this time is gonna be created through the filter of having lived through this moment and how you experienced it.
3: And I do understand why there are some that be like, you know, nobody wants to read that. Cause I remember, and I think I told you the story of when we were greenlighting the movie Bohemian Rhapsody. Mm. And I, at first I was a no, because the, the first version of the script, I know Brenda just like lost her shit. Um, I wish you guys could see the video of Brenda losing her shit, because that's what it looks like.
4: She's very unhappy with you. She, well, she is. That's, it will not be the first time. Um, yeah.
3: <laughs> or the last <laughs> but the first version of the script was it, it felt like an AIDS movie it focused on that and I'm like the last thing anybody wants to see is a movie about AIDS so I get the perspective of people not wanting thinking that you don't want to relive that but I think in what I think you've done so beautifully and brilliant in your work is that you've actually taken real life and adapted it into fiction. I think the next place I'd love to go with this discussion is to talk about, like, what have you experienced in your life that led you to want to create characters and storylines out of your own experience?
4: And we are going to talk about that (laughs) when we come back.
1: What if AI could help your business deliver mission critical outcomes with speed with IBM consulting, your business can design build and scale trusted AI using Watson X and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at ibm.com consulting. IBM. Let's create.
0: Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
2: Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online
4: talking about the craft, the skill, the magic of bringing information from our life, our experiences into characters that come alive for everyone else to see.
3: What happened? What are your stories that actually really influenced and and fed these characters and storylines?
5: Well, I think for The Immortals, that entire series was inspired by grief. For the first time in my life, I really confronted some deep grief I went through this period of a year and a half where every single person in my husband's immediate family, including my husband, was diagnosed with cancer. And two of them passed on. My husband made it through, and his sister made it through, but he lost his twin and he lost his mother. And then a good friend of mine had died as well. And I just felt like I had the biggest black cloud hanging over me. And I didn't really know how to process it. I didn't really have the tools at that time. I was just sort of walking around in a in a real sort of victim state and you know, why is life so cruel and how am I gonna get through this? And there was a point when I was sitting on the couch with my husband, it was before he was diagnosed with leukemia and he was very, very sick. And I was taking him to different specialists every day. He had lost like 30 pounds overnight. He was like bleeding out of his mouth. It was really, really dire. And I'm sitting on the couch and I'm thinking, I don't know how I'm going to get through the next five minutes, much less the next day. I just don't even know how I'm going to do this. And so I turned on the TV and Wayne Dyer was on. It was PBS. And we didn't even watch PBS back then. Somehow <laughs> the TV was set <laughs> to <laughs> PBS is beyond me. Yeah. And I remember seeing Wayne Dyer's face and I recognized him immediately because when I was a kid, my dad had bought his book, Your Erroneous Zones because he had mistaken it for the book, Your Erogenous Zone, he thought he was buying.
4: <laughs> oh, and when he discovered, he's not God. the only one who have done that. I've heard that when story, yeah. When he discovered
5: yeah. it wasn't the book he thought, it just sat there, like it just <laughs> sat on a counter for years. So like through my childhood, I would see Wayne Dyer on this book cover and a book that nobody read.
3: With was, a spine that wasn't broken <laughs> on a that, right?
5: And bro- very pristine condition book. And so I see him on this PBS show and I have this whole flashback memory. And I think, oh, you know, that's Wayne Dyer. What is he doing? And at the moment I tune in, he says, when you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. And my husband and I, and he was very sick and we looked at each other and said, what if it's true? What if that's all it is? What if it's really that easy? And we were both at the point where we literally like literally had nothing to lose we just dived in, we were all in from that moment. And we watched the rest of the program. And I just started on a steady diet of spiritual books and learning and learning to look at the experience that I was going through, not as a, I'm a victim and how can this horrible thing happen to me? And when is this black cloud going to go away? But here's a thing that's happening. It's out of my control. It sets the big one, but there's a lesson here. And if I can lean into this, I can learn something and then maybe down the line, I can turn this into something else. So part of that process too, of writing, and I think most writers find this, we don't always know what we're writing. And I don't know, Julie, if you found that too, like you think you're going to write a certain book and you think you know what you're doing and you think you're in charge, but you're really in a process of discovery. And you're sort of answering questions for yourself. And and I sort of use these stories I create as a way to discover what it is that I do believe, or trying to answer questions for myself. And so, you know, through that process of writing evermore, I was healing as my character was healing. And I think towards the end of that, me and the character had both gone through this extraordinary journey of, of healing and finding our way back back to love.
3: Because Ever is the character.
5: Ever Bloom is the main character. Mm -hmm. And, you know, like me, she had lost people that she cared about deeply. And then this set her off on a journey. And I, you know, really play around with a lot of metaphysical uh, ideas. And during the course of that writing, I was a great excuse to go out there and do things like past life regressions and take psychic development classes and just read as many books on these subjects as I could because it was all Part of my own growth process, but also it was feeding the story of the book as well.
3: And did you, at any point, not believe in the spiritual side of things?
5: No, I mean, I was raised with a by a mother who always was um, had a lot of intuition and was really into that bent. And um, I grew up in a very strange house that may have been haunted. Um, I was never entirely sure if it was haunted or if it was just sort of the energy of our family at that time, because when we were living there, there was a lot of um, discord and upheaval in our family. But there were definitely a lot of really strange events. So I've always been really open to it, um, to the idea of it. But I wasn't actively, openly participating in it, like really diving in and, and uh, sort of exploring the way I did once I started writing these books.
4: Can you give us an example of what might be a haunting in your house that you grew up in? Uh,
5: my mom would hear us calling her when we weren't calling her or nobody was home. Um, we were all girls in the house, so our hairbrushes would go missing and we'd all accuse each other and get in a big fights. <laughs> <bites. laughs> <laughs> and none of us had done it, you know. And then I could come. actually,
3: can I borrow one of them now? <laughs> <laughs> I wish you guys could actually see how <laughs> what my hair looks like a rat's nest. But anyway.
5: You know, and just strange things like that. My mom told me a story once that my parents had gone out. And when they came back in, um, we had like two doors, one that you would walk into a courtyard, then a second door that led into the house. So the second door that led into the house was wide open. And we had these very poorly behaved dogs and they would have run in and caused havoc and ripped everything up. And you know, any opportunity to run inside the house, between your legs and get in there and run around and go crazy, they're on it. And here the house is empty, no one's home, the door is wide open and they came home and the dogs were just cowering in you know, outside the door refusing to go inside. So there was just <laughs> yeah. You
3: just, see Brenda's face?
4: <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> yeah, just a lot.
5: And I remember my friends and I daring each other to go downstairs alone because there was this really creepy feeling to our downstairs, which consisted of like a big like game room and then um my <laughs> space my dad used as an office. That's all the downstairs was but we would like dare each other. And, of course, nobody was brave enough. You know, we never – you'd make it halfway down the stairs and run up screaming.
4: Yeah, so. I, think, I think that counts as haunted. Um, yeah. so, <laughs> so I just want to point out that the synchronicities, right, which means everything's lined up, of your dad buying a book that you saw all the time, you turning on PBS in a state of surrender – Right, and being open. You had to be open to hear that as opposed to, why the hell are we watching PBS, right? Where's the remote? I got to find something to numb out. You actually listened to that, right? You saw him, you recognized him, you listened to what he said, and you took it in. Like, those are all just gifts from the divine, right? You couldn't have created that. Your dad couldn't have created that, right? That was all lined up for you, even, you know, decades apart. But it's all lined up. I mean, the magic that is woven into our lives all the time. And when we can see it and acknowledge it and move into it like you did and come out the other end, you know, in, in a much better place, that's an extraordinary journey.
3: Thank well, you. Grief is powerful. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We oh, all, yeah. we know how powerful that that it can be.
5: Yeah. I mean, I was just so broken and just desperate. And then here, there he was saying the exact thing I needed to hear at the exact time And it was a complete spiral in my life. I mean, it was a complete 180. I became a very different person. I used to be sort of a cynical, jaded person. And I just dropped all of that. It wasn't serving me. And I just, you know, totally transformed myself. And from that, you know, my husband was diagnosed. He was put on a medication. Within a year, he was in complete deep remission and remains that way. I wrote The Immortals. It ended up being a series that changed my entire life. And so it was amazing sort of the magic, the transformation that came from that moment and, and deciding to say yes to that moment.
4: I mean, just I just want to say thank you and celebrate that because obviously it worked for you, but it worked for everyone that healed with your book and with that
3: journey. And I think there's a lesson for our listeners because we talk about you know, ways to get through events in life, and we're all in the middle of one right now, is journaling. And it doesn't ever have to be published. That's not the point. But to write is to process and to understand and to discover. And I think that is, I think, a big moral of the story for for folks right now is if you're struggling, just go write because who knows what what will come out of that for you.
5: Oh, and I want to add that I was not going to publish evermore. I wrote it for (sighs) myself. I was under contract for four other books at the time and I was working on those books and I wrote Evermore for me. Um, It was just my little healing book. It was my first, you know, it was my eighth book that came out ultimately, but it was the first that I had written in paranormal fantasy and so I was sort of afraid to even try to go there because it wasn't what my readers would expect and it was such a departure from what I had done and so it was just for me. It was only when I finished it that I thought, okay, well, I wrote a book. Let's just see what happens. And then it turned out to be the book that changed my life. But I, I didn't go into it thinking, oh, I'm going to sell this book. And who's the audience for this book? The audience was me. And it was just for my healing. I didn't
4: know that. I loved yeah. that so much. And when you presented that to your publisher, were they like, back in your box, you've lost it? Or how, how did they respond?
5: I had a new editor at that point. Okay. And she was just sort of like, Okay, you know, I mean, <laughs> yeah, there was no sort of anything. It was just sort of like, okay, let's here's another book by her. And I don't think we even realized like we had this book that was going to do something until um, my agent started going to the foreign markets. And then, you know, Germany bought it at auction for a larger amount than I had yet to see in my career. And we went, huh? <laughs> what's, what's that about? You know, and then once that got out, you know, it got optioned by, you know, a studio. And then it just started rolling from there and you know it, it was a surprise to everybody. Like nothing was done for this book. There was zero publicity, there was zero marketing. <laughs> so everyone that thinks like, Oh, I need to have a huge marketing campaign and I need to be everywhere, I had nothing. Like I made bookmarks out of my mm. own money. And I like hired someone to make a book trailer, which in 2009, you know what those looked like. So (laughs) they weren't like the best selling tool. And so, you know, I mean, it was just like the universe lining up and this message in this book, connecting with people. And, um, you know, I got a good cover. And it just found its way.
3: When you were in that moment, because you had mentioned about uh, Sandy's family Mm -hmm. and everyone that's just so tragic. You also said a friend of yours had passed. So do you mind sharing how you found out?
5: Oh, yeah, that was so crazy. So it was right in the midst of we had just lost Sandy's mom. His sister was recovering. His brother was dying. He would pass in a passing um, four months later. And my husband wasn't sick yet. And I'm sitting at my house and I'm trying to work on an adult book. My one adult book, Fly Me to the Moon. And I just was not getting any work done that day. And because thoughts of this person from my past were just inundating. And I kept thinking, why am I thinking about him? I haven't, you know, I mean we were great friends for a very long time. But I hadn't thought about him in in several years. And he just would not leave my head. And this went on for hours. And I got so frustrated because I wasn't getting any work done and I was on deadline and I just finally said out loud to my, I'm alone in my house. And I say out loud, fine, I will effing Google you.
3: You can say fuck on this show. (laughs) It's totally permissible here. I have done, I've paved that path for you to say fuck on our show.
5: (laughs) So I, I Google him And immediately all this news comes up about how he passed, like three weeks earlier. And I went, I was just stunned. He was the captain of the Big Valley on Deadliest Catch, and their boat went down on season one. And there's no way I would have known that he passed. We didn't have friends in common anymore. I didn't watch Deadliest Catch. I didn't even know he was part of that. But he came to tell me, you know, goodbye. And it was just... It just really hit me and a year or two later I flew to Kodiak, Alaska where he was living at that time and Because I was gonna write a book like loosely based on that and you can't really fake Alaska Like you need to visit Alaska if possible to try to get that right So my husband and I made a trip there and I didn't know his address. I didn't know anything. I found his house I just felt like that was his house and, you know, I'm standing outside his house and this woman comes out, can I help you? And I'm like, yeah, it's a strange, but you know, did this guy used to live here? And she said, yeah, you know, she was very good friends with him and she was sort of staying in the house while his family figured out what to do with it. And I came in and talked to her for a while and then I left. And then a few months later, she sent me a package. And now this guy was a huge, huge reader. Like, I mean, when I say he has thousands of books, he probably had even more than that. He was just such a big consumer of books. And so she ha- was going through his belongings and he had just so many books and she wasn't even looking. She was just putting them in boxes. But she tells me for some reason, she just has to look at this one book. She has to open the flap and she opens the flap and it's the book I gave to him the last night we had spent together before he went to live in Alaska, and I went to stay in Mykonos. Yeah, and so it was just sort of this full circle story that had a lot of synchronicity to, in order to make that
4: happen. I mean, it's such a beautiful story. And this is the world that you're tuned into, right? And that you welcome. So you get, you get more of it, but you also convince people to come out of their houses and invite me in. Like, I mean, there's, there's multiple levels going on here. Yeah. I mean, that's so great. That's powerful. Yeah.
5: Pretty strange. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It yeah. is really strange. Yeah.
3: Well, I think it, something else is really strange. Well, strange to other people, not strange to me, is you had a friend that was struck by lightning. Yes. Because one of my favorite memoirs is from Danny and Brinkley, which is Saved by the Light. And he was the guy that was struck by lightning and a total, like, douchebag guy before he was struck by lightning. And now he works for God. I mean, it's like yeah. it was truly that transformative for him. But um, do you mind? Do you, Would you share that story? It would be really funny if you said no. But... <laughs> I thought I'd try to be polite in it and ask first. <laughs> Brenda taught me that. This is I Oklahoma
4: think. nice. Okay, good to know. <laughs> <laughs> it's
3: Arkansas nice. Okay.
5: <laughs> yeah, so it was a friend that I'd known since elementary school. And uh, we lost touch after high school. We all went separate ways. I lived abroad for a number of years. And um, it was our high school reunion, which I almost didn't go to because I really didn't love my high school years. But I friend convinced me and I went. And I ran into her and she told me that she had ended up um, working as a um, air traffic controller, I think in Washington, could be wrong though, so don't quote me on that. And she was working in the tower one day and she was struck by lightning. And um, she had to, it was you know, a very devastating experience. She had to relearn how to do everything after that, tie her shoes, speak, everything. She contacted me after the reunion, I think through a Facebook message or something, and said, I read your book Evermore, and that's exactly what it's like, because a character knows people's life story by touch. And she said, ever since I've had this experience, I just know things about people that I have no business knowing. And. She said, I drove by your house, your old house the other day, and it's still haunted. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome. So I guess that's a confirmation that, yes, the house was haunted and apparently still is.
3: <laughs> I don't think you needed that confirmation, but you did Yeah, it. yeah, it's always yeah. good. It's always good
5: to get confirmation it. Confirmation is always good when you're doing the side stuff. Yeah. Oh, tell. Oh. Yeah. Yes.
4: Yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Preach. I do think that a whole lightning strike thing helps activate those other parts of our brain that are there. They're running below the, the level of consciousness. And so when it gets blown open, I mean, yeah, we, we definitely have superpowers. And one of our superpowers is going to be taking a break. <laughs>
1: what if AI could help your business deliver mission-critical outcomes with speed? With IBM Consulting, your business can design, Build and scale trusted AI using Watson X, and modernize the way you work to accelerate real impact. Let's create AI that transforms your business. Learn more at IBM.com/consulting. IBM. Let's create.
0: Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.
1: Electricity has always been synonymous with power. And in the BMW i4 M50, power is more refined than ever. It's 100% electric and 100% BMW. Listen carefully, and you'll make out the sound of over 500 horses stampeding at a whisper. Experience the rush of pure performance as BMW M engineered handling takes you through every twist and turn. And elevate each moment of your drive with a suite of cutting edge technology, including a BMW intelligent personal assistant that gets smarter with every interaction. I've started guidance. And the most advanced iDrive operating system yet for the most powerful vehicle of its kind. Introducing the BMW I4M50. Silence has never said so much. BMW, the ultimate electric driving machine. Okay,
3: everybody, we are back. So to the point of Allison, your friend, who when she was struck by lightning, she had the ability when you know to touch and to understand things. Brenda, I saw you at an event where you taught people to use their hand chakras. Mm -hmm. Because I find when I activate my hand chakras, I very much can touch either objects or people and really do understand kind of what's going on.
5: You know what? I have all these stuff about chakras and the immortals. It's sort of kind of a big part of that series, but I don't know that I knew there were hand chakras.
4: Yeah, they're not as popular as yeah. the big seven, so right? something
5: <laughs> really interesting right there. Right? Yeah. Tell me about the hand chakras. Well, <laughs> we
4: actually have thousands of chakras at the ends of our bones, at the ends of our circulatory, like every muscle insertion, and you know, so it, they're all over, but the, the main seven along the spine get mostly attention. Um, and then you have some in the field that are off the spine and you definitely have them in And your hands. So, if you bring your hands together in universal prayer position or Anjali Mudra, like when you put your hands in front of your heart and you bow and you're so grateful, and then you're going to spread your fingers apart so your palm is still solidly against each other, and then you're just going to make circles. So you'll hear some some hissing sound as we all rub our palms together. You're just going to make circles, and then you can speed it up. So, and then you'll feel, you'll feel a little heat, a little friction right away. And just before your hands spontaneously combust. <laughs> so keep it going, keep it going, keep it going. As you make these circles, don't just rub them back and forth, make circles. And then I'm going to ask you to pull them away for just a moment, but keep doing it. And just pull them away like an inch. I hope our listeners are doing this too, unless you're driving. Can you feel that buzziness between your hands, Allison? Yes. And then just take them a little further apart, so like four to six inches apart. Can you still feel that buzziness? Mm-hmm. And take them a little further apart, so maybe you're in a foot and a half apart. It should feel like energetic taffy between your hands. Yes.
3: Oh, I like that, energetic. Could we call it psychic taffy? <laughs>
4: nope. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. Yeah. And, and just do this, oh, yeah. like you're feeling it, right? Oh, yeah. And then imagine if you were going to scan something, how receptive you would be. If you're going to scan a, oh, yeah. a haunted house, <laughs> nice. right? you would know where all the energy vortexes are. And really, if you have any uh, boo-boos on your body, anything that's hurting, this would be a really good thing, you know, time to, to put your hands on that. Like if you have muscles that are sore or whatever that is, that's a really good thing to, to do. These palm chakras get activated. Like if you do some healing practices or Reiki or, you know, hands any hands-on work, they get really activated. But there's a way you can open them up like this that can be really helpful especially if like you're nervous about something like right now people are experiencing a lot of anxiety and it shows up in different ways in the body but a very popular way of course is the belly right that literally the word solar plexus is means where all the nerves come together that's the plexus right solar plexus so right where your ribs split so you can rub your palms together like we just did and then put your palms right against your belly and it'll help soothe it and and calm it down really nice way to fall asleep.
5: That's a great tool.
4: Yeah, it's, it's a good one. So Allison, have you always like, I mean, you obviously knew about the, the haunted house. And, and did you guys talk about it? Did the girls talk about it like as haunted? Or are you just like, Oh, this is creepy and just thought moved on?
5: No, we talked about it. I mean, I had my own room. And I spent my childhood sleeping on the floor of my sister's room in a sleeping bag. And that was partly because of just the creepiness of the house and partly because my parents weren't getting along and it was just a bad time to be in our house and in our family. And, you know, I just felt safer and more secure in there. But we certainly talked about it. But I don't think we really had the tools to really deal with it other than just talk about it. And my mom didn't fear it. I think she almost sort of found a, a strange comfort in it. Like she felt like this, whatever it was, was sort of benevolent to her. Um, (laughs) Well, Because I mean, like it once, you know, locked my dad out of the house.
3: (laughs) Well, she may have been right. (laughs)
4: Allegedly, yeah.
5: (laughs) And so it wasn't like something that was felt at all sort of threatening to her. And so she like, didn't mind it. I found it kind of terrifying.
3: But you guys had a hard time as she got older to get her out of that house because she was so attached to it, right? We
5: did. Um, I mean, my mom hates change, so I'll give her that. She just did not (laughs) like change. We really had a hard time getting her out of that house. She was very attached to it and it was this pretty big house and she could not afford to keep it up. You know, it just, through the years, if something got broke, it just stayed broke. Like nothing got fixed. Um, When my parents divorced, I was 12. My mom had been a housewife for 23 years. She had no education and she worked to work at JCPenney's and raised me on minimum wage. And so we managed to stay in this house, but we had money for nothing else. You know, um, we really lived hand to mouth. We would eat waffles for dinner. We were really, really struggling. And so, you know, we couldn't maintain the house for the years, but she stayed in it all that time And uh, my sister mostly was the one that handled it. I was living in New York at the time and, you know, finally convinced her to sell it and move. And it turned out to be the best thing that ever happened to her. Stole sold it at the height of the market, got a good amount of money for it, was able to retire, buy a smaller place and live out the rest of her life, you know, there. There was a real attachment to that house. and, And I don't know if she really realized it until she got out of it.
3: So you mentioned just then that you were living in New York at that time, because before that you were in Mykonos, Greece. Yes.
5: (laughs) Seven (laughs) years in Mykonos. And then I lived in New York City where I was a flight attendant for Delta Airlines.
3: When you were a flight attendant, did you ever have anything paranormal happen? Because we actually haven't talked about that. I wonder if you ever experienced, oh, you're shaking your head as if you did. I I love that. Did did. you actually, did, did you, so could you have your own episode about Guy on the Plane? Like we had our episode of Guy (laughs) on the Plane. You probably had...
5: That was an amazing moment that you had. I I didn't (sighs) have anything like that. So there was one flight in particular, and it was one of the most miserable flights I've ever worked. And I was on this giant airplane, the Elton 11. For anyone that knows airplanes, there was a flight attendant. They will immediately feel my pain of having to work this plane. It was just like, it's like whoever designed it hated flight attendants. It was just the worst. And um, it was designed I, by a man. I feel it was sure. designed by a man that hated yeah. flight attendants. <laughs> <laughs> all the bathrooms for coach were in the back, all like along a wall. And, you know, so when you're trying to do a meal service, it was just a disaster. Anyways, I was stuck working the back by myself, this whole back cabin, which was probably like a hundred people because this plane was a monster, it carried so many people. And the other flight attendant was hiding in the bathroom because she was Ooh. having a moment. <laughs> <laughs> so I was, I was pushing the beverage cart and pulling the mill cart, working my way oh. trying to, trying to do this in like, you know, a set amount of time. It was an, and everybody was just at their worst behavior. Everybody needed extra everything and pillows and blankets. And I've got two carts, someone hiding in the lab. I was just like, you know what? The next person, this, I said this to myself mentally, the next person that asked me for something is just going to get it for everybody that's asked me for something. Like, I don't even care how this ends. Like, I can't take another human asking me for something. And someone from behind me, I hear this voice say, Can I have a pillow? (laughs) And I was like, I just tensed up with just rage, and I spun around, ready to just lay lay into him. And it was a person that had a lot of difficulties, things going wrong with them, and the most beautiful, benevolent smile I've ever seen. And I just stopped me cold. And I went, what am I doing? And so I said, yes, you can have a blanket and here's a pillow. And would you like a bottle of water? And I just loaded this person up with stuff and then they left. And I thought that person just changed my whole, I was ready to like lose my job that I very much needed and just face a world of consequences that really weren't worth it. And this person completely turned it around. I wanted to thank this person. So when the plane landed, I was at the boarding door. This person wasn't on board the plane. No, it was this an person angel did not exist. It was an angel. It was an angel. This was a person you could never miss. Like this was not, you know, an ordinary yeah. appearance. And there that's what they do, lot. right? Yeah, that's what they do. And I, and I realized that like, I was just saved from my worst self, <laughs> which would have led me to a really bad place. And I was saved from that. And so that was just extraordinary.
4: Oh, that just gave me chills. That was so beautiful. Me too. That's so beautiful. You had the ears and the eyes to see. Yeah. And other people wouldn't. They would have turned and seen an empty seat.
5: I mean, I asked every single flight attendant, did you see a person that looked like this? They're like, what are you talking about? You know, I stood at the boarding door. I could not find this person.
4: That's
3: incredible. Allison, I uh, was an adjunct professor at USC for about four years and I taught entertainment marketing there. The first thing I would say is I want everybody to understand why I'm here. So you know what your goal, your mission is um, from this class. And I would say that I believe that storytellers do for the soul what doctors do for the physical body. And I said that every single semester and everybody understood what we were there to do. So with that, this idea that, you know, storytellers do for the soul, what doctors do for the physical body, how do you feel that that's happened through your writing? Like, have you heard from your readers about your stories that have healed them?
5: Yeah. And I think that's one of the most gratifying things, um, especially with the Immortals series. I get so many uh, letters and emails and messages from readers telling me that I helped them through a time of deep grief, which is really what i did for myself and the reason why i wrote the book and so to know that you're creating something that reaches someone hopefully at the right time in their life when they really need it and that your words and your story can help them you know see themselves in the story and help them find their way through a difficulty too that's the most enormously rewarding thing that I, you know that I could ask for. Just the fact that a reader is allowing you your story into their world, but then to take away from it what you intended or what you hoped at the highest level. Yes, you'll be entertained, hopefully, and you'll. You'll have a good love story and journey, but to take away that deeper part that I hoped people would find when they do find that it's super meaningful.
4: So beautiful. I mean, it's the highest honor,
3: right? Yeah. Yeah. I think there's a word for that. And Brenda will definitely correct me if I'm wrong, because everybody knows she does that <laughs> and it's and it's regularly. Um, but it's very shamanic because mm. the path of a shaman is one that, you know, enters darkness because they're, they have to heal themselves. In the process of healing themselves, they have the ability to actually heal others. And I think that's what so many of our storytellers do. And I'm sure somebody would want to argue, well, what about the comics? It's like, oh, my God, they're all broken. <laughs> I mean, every comic is broken. Without a doubt. doubt. Right?
4: Yeah. I mean, they're healers in their own ways. They are. Yeah. (laughs) Right.
3: Most definitely they are. So I think that's incredible. I know you guys want to ask Julie, have you had those? So I'll go ahead and ask on your behalf. But I've had that. I've had actually where there was a man who wrote me and he said, I just read your book. It is the first time I've smiled in six months. um, And that's since my wife committed suicide. Oh, wow. And I knew... At that moment, because I I, maybe I thought I knew before, but that's I really knew at that moment, even if I wrote that book just for that one guy, it was worth the three years for them. I mean, it was certainly worth it for me. It was actually worth it. If nobody read it, nobody gave two shits because it it, I healed myself. But to be able to have that impact on someone else in a stranger. Right, like I think that is also the other part that is one of the most ultimate things that we can do as a human is to give, to heal, to help those that we don't know and we've never known and we'll probably never meet.
5: And that's the beauty of being a storyteller is the ability for your words to travel to places that you never imagined that they would go. For your book to end up in the hands of someone that you've never met and probably never will. And to know that you've been able to help them grow and experience something or heal something. It's just really a pretty extraordinary thing. Something I never really thought about and try not to think about when I'm writing a book. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't try to put my mind there like, who can I heal today? (laughs) Be healed. I I mean, it's just not gonna ever happen if you go into it thinking that way. You're just trying to create something organically and you find yourself along the way. I just
4: really wanna honor What both of you have done by walking that journey, right? And, my elf, I think you described the shamanic path beautifully in that way. (laughs) Stop it. It's such a brave surrender, right? That is the definition of faith, Mm -hmm. right? Stepping out and knowing that you will be held. Stepping out true to the authenticity of an open heart and knowing that you will land on solid ground and... or you'll grow wings yeah
3: that's what you told me right
4: you You said you've got to like
3: step out and off the cliff because the uh either the ground will rise up to meet you or you'll grow wings
5: oh i love that that's so beautiful
3: it's brave and so thank you actually i think allison has a question she would like to i'm sure it's not me i'm pretty sure it's brenda because brenda's one everybody goes to so allison what she got what do you got on your mind
5: Well, I wanted to ask Brenda about overcoming blocks, creative blocks. I know that right now during this pandemic, I can speak for myself, but I feel pretty confident speaking for a lot of other creative types as well, is we're all observing our stay in place orders. And we feel like, you know, we have all of this time now that maybe we didn't have before and that we should be creating something. And that sounds great intellectually, but but really on a deeper emotional level we're all dealing with a lot of uncertainty and we're all dealing with a certain amount of attention deficit because of that and it's been harder to focus it's been harder to even know what to create and what to say And I'm wondering if you had any sort of insight or tool on how to help yourself overcome that.
4: Well, thank you for that question. It's such a a generous and thoughtful question because I think also for many people who are sheltering in place with kids, you have the double duty of I've got to engage them productively and they can't watch video games all day long. Or they can. They play them, by but, the way. Oh, they don't just watch okay. them. They watch
3: them on Twitch. But for the record, they play can't play them all day either. Thank you for that edit. <laughs> I'm, I'm helping. Hey, listen, I'm your culture.
4: <laughs> and also, the energy it takes not to show those kids fear that's arising with ev- in everyone because that's real right we are in a contracted state and so a couple of my favorite go-to's are play get on the floor play with your kids or do a dance party they pick a song you pick a song <laughs> you know be like and literally like make, make sure you're dancing and jumping and moving the dancing and jumping and moving is really important it doesn't matter how you look doesn't matter what score your kids give you <laughs> don't, don't let it take a hit to the ego Go, like, no, it's going to suck <laughs> because it's moving the energy body and shaking things up, shaking things out. So that's really important. Of course, if you have a yoga practice, super helpful, you know, especially for our runners. They're trying to do their, you know, HIIT workouts just to to get things moving because, like you said, we feel stuck. You literally get lethargic. And your energy vibration drops. So that's where we get little depressions. And it can, you can feel like sadness, it can feel like overwhelm. If we watch too much news, it's important to stay informed and not overwhelmed. So limit your source. Like, I'm gonna check in twice a day or whatever it is, but limit it. You don't need to hear everything, and someone will find you if you need to hear something. Trust me. Again, you can't take it all in anyhow. Your nervous system just can't. So at that point, you're you're just in an abuse cycle. So those are the first things I'd think about. Then I have one little technique that I use in my corporate world, which is, so we have, right, we have our physicality, right? We have our body, (laughs) Everyone's got a body. Well done. And then we have the energy body that goes into the physical body, but then lays on top of our physical body, right? So we have this egg-shaped energy field. But the first layer of the energy field is called the etheric layer. And so you can just pat your body. So everyone like pat your arms, pat the clavicle, through the breasts, through the organs, this is called an etheric unruffling. And so things that get trapped in the physical layer or just like feel heavy on you, if you just do this light little tap, like if you've ever gone to a spa after a facial, they'll do this to get the lymph moving, right? And it feels really good. But to do that lightly on your face, definitely on the top of your head, especially for our creatives, this is where your inspiration comes in. So tap, tap, tap on the light, lightly on the top of your head, down through your head, down through your shoulders, up and back. Definitely get the kidneys, so get behind you. So, if you stand um, with your elbows against your body and draw a line across the back of your body, that's where your kidneys are, get into the kidneys because that's the kidney chi that flows, super important, goes down the back of the legs, get the back of the legs all the way down, and then come back up the body. And you can do it in thirty seconds, or you can take the three minute luxurious version. <laughs> like and it sounds silly to do, but I take breaks in my corporate world, and I do this little etheric unruffling, and people are like, oh, that helps so much. Like, you just feel clearer. Like, all the stuff that felt so heavy that just glommed onto you, and you kind of like, I I know I've been here for three hours, you know, just jamming on Netflix, you know, but I just can't. I just can't move. Stand up and do that, and then start your dance party, and then, you know, hide the batteries to the remote, and just, you know, keep engaged, keep creating. And if you, like, for you, you're an author, you're a writer, go create something else. Like, walk away. And I don't care if it's with crayons. Like, I don't care. Just go create something else where you don't have any standards, where you don't have any skills. (laughs) Like, it's really good to be a beginner and go, hey, I found a glue gun. I'm just going to go glue stuff, (laughs) you know, randomly. Like, just create. May I recommend
3: something that I just ordered? (laughs) Yeah. it's a resin kit. Like it's a little arty kit where you can make paperweights or these little blocks and you can put stuff in the resin, you know? So like, I'm going to take little rocks and little metal things and uh, make like just <gasps> a little, yeah. I
5: had that as a kid. We put pennies in there. Yes. Make a little paperweights. <laughs> yes, exactly.
3: I have a kit now because Uh-oh. I'm doing that tomorrow.
5: That's so fun. That's exactly right.
4: But something like that, like Mm -hmm. it doesn't matter if you get it quote unquote wrong or right. Just my recommendation. (laughs) No, I think that's a perfect thing, right? Because it just gets those creative juices flowing again. Mm -hmm. And then when you feel ready or inspired, then go back to work.
5: I love that. Thank you.
4: Alice, we've loved having you. We could have you on all day, obviously.
5: I love being here, you guys. Mm -hmm. Thank you so much.
4: It's just been so much fun. And thank you for your work in the world. A New York Times bestseller. Slash healer. Yeah. <laughs> That's my invitation to you. <laughs> thanks for coming to visit and to connect during this time. Because right now, more than ever, we know that Earth School can be hard. Without Allison Noel and the other side. <laughs> thanks for joining us, everyone. And a special thanks to our producer, Maya Cole, who guides us while we guide you. Hit us
3: up on Instagram at OthersideGuides or shoot us a note at OthersideGuides at iHeartRadio.com and you can even call us at
4: 833-22-GUIDE to leave us a message. We want to know what you think, we want to know what you know, and we want to hear your stories. And remember, Earth School is hard without the other
3: side. Insider's Guide to the Other Side is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.
0: Your credit card should match your lifestyle. At Kemba Financial Credit Union, choose a card with benefits that work for you. For a limited time, all cards have 2% cash back on purchases and 0% interest on balance transfers for a year. Apply at Kemba.org. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment